Children's Church is dismissed as well. Good morning, how we doing? Good to see you this morning. Um, don't know if you know, but Christmas is coming. And um, because of that, we're starting a brand new uh, series uh, entitled The Wonder uh, of Christmas. And you know, the part uh, of the wonder of Christmas is how God chose to uh, give the needed hope uh, to his people. And for years and years before Jesus ever fulfilled the hundreds of prophecies that pointed to his initial arrival at that first Christmas. God had hope in his heart for his people. And the arrival of that promised hope happened under that star-filled sky in a manger right there at Bethlehem just at the right time. The Messiah advent came to fruition just as it was promised. And hope incarnate was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And most agreed that there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that foretold the coming of the Messiah. And each of them was promised of hope about what God would do one day for his people who needed a Savior to come and rescue them. The prophecy referenced in the video that we watched earlier in the service was from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so some 700 years later, this prophecy of hope came true as Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. He, he was our Savior who can rescue us from our sins, which has separated us from God. And Jesus was born to give us hope in enjoying true life while destroying the plans of the enemy, the devil, and what he had in mind since the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 tells us how Satan, in the form of a serpent, was let go to wreak havoc because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And from that moment, we needed a Savior. From that moment forward, we needed hope. And when hope arrived as this wobbly little baby Jesus, that first Christmas, life in his name became a possibility. You know, years later, Jesus says this about hope in the words recorded in John 10 Verse 10, which says, the thief comes only to destroy and to kill and to steal. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I think it's interesting here uh, that Jesus let us know that these two different agendas were on this collusion course regarding our lives. One is that the thief's agenda, right? Satan, the devil, the evil one. And his agenda is what? To steal, kill, and destroy your life. And then Jesus communicates his agenda. 
was that he left his place in glory and came on a rescue mission. It was a mission of hope and love, and his agenda is to give us the opportunity to experience abundant life. This was a gift that was alluded to in the video, that, that we can receive and open and experience this Christmas and enjoy throughout eternity. Yes, Jesus came to give us abundant life in him. However, he also came to do something else. He also came to do something about our enemy who tries to steal, kill, and destroy. John reminds us in 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Don't you love it when the Bible's clear? Like, we don't have to wonder what one of the reasons that, that Jesus came. Right? The verse isn't difficult to understand. The, the, the reason, or, or a reason that Jesus appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 5, 8. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is the same enemy that Jesus was talking about who's out to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And thus we find ourselves in this special time of the year that we call Christmas. And we celebrate because Jesus came basically to pick a fight with our enemy who's trying to destroy us. And we have hope. Because the one who can save us from the destruction of our enemy finally arrived on the scene to rescue us and to give us back our lives. You know, there are hundreds of prophecies that led to the birth that would result in the Son of God coming to destroy the works of the devil. It's kind of like this. Jesus said, uh, uh, okay, Satan, you, you, you want to be all about destroying stuff? I'll, I'll show you what it means to destroy Right, I'll go to the cross, I'll disarm you, I'll cancel the payment of sin of all humanity who put their faith and their trust in me. Right, I'll be the perfect sacrifice, I'll defeat death and enjoy a, a super cool resurrection, because that was cool. And then 40 days later, I'll ascend into heaven, and I'll send my Holy Spirit to empower and lead my followers. The, fa the Father promised I would come and make no mistake, I will come again to claim what is mine. And the next time I come, I'll be riding on a white horse with fire in my eyes and a crown on my head and a robe dipped in blood and armies of heaven following me on white horses and a tattoo on my robe and my thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, you you want to go, Satan? Let's go. pretty intense, huh? In the New Testament, 23 of the 27 books talks about the return of Jesus. So seven out of 10 chapters in the New Testament speak of the return of Jesus. In other words, one in every 30 verses talks about the fact that Jesus is coming again. And his return is said more frequently in the New Testament than anything else about him. 
Because God fulfilled over 300 prophecies of hope regarding his initial advent as stated in the Old Testament when Jesus was born. That gives us hope and that gives us confidence that he will do the same and fulfill what he said about a second advent in the days to come. But for now, we continue to wait and we continue to hope. The early Christian church was carried forward by what was called the blessed hope of the return of Jesus. And, and you know, when the disciples would walk down the streets and they would meet one another uh, on the street there, that they would greet one another with this word, this word Maranatha, which means our Lord come. It, it was the hope that kept the early Christ followers on guard against their sin. It sustained them when they were down. It, it kept them on solid ground as they dealt with the conflict in the world. These are just ringing in my ears. Today, believers in, in Jesus Christ live our lives in the light of the knowledge that, that he can come at any time. And we are to be ready when that day comes. Every day we should expect him to come. Every day we should long for him to come. Maranatha reminds us to keep our eyes on the eternal things. To, to dwell on material things is to be a constant mental turmoil. To looking down, we see the earth. Looking around, we see earthly things. But looking up, we see the hope and the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those who are discouraged today, to you I say Maranatha. To those who are worried today, Maranatha. To, to those who are filled with anxiety or the problems that they're facing, to you today I say Maranatha. Our Lord is coming. The last words we have recorded from the lips of Jesus are in Revelation chapter 22 verse 20. John writes, he who testifies to these things, and, and here it is. Here's what Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And then John finishes the verse up and says, amen, come Lord Jesus. I hope you're seeing this morning that number one, Jesus isn't a wimp without a plan. Right? No, instead he is a warrior king who came to destroy the works of the devil and rescue us from our sin and from death and from hell. He is coming back again one day. And therefore we do have a blessed hope this Christmas, even if some stuff isn't going our way right now. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. There are two short passages in Hebrews that go along with the words of John 10.10 10 and 1 John 3.8. These passages in Hebrews gives us some more depth, some more breath to this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And, and the hope that we have as we wait for his return. And Hebrews is a powerful letter meant to encourage believers through some tough seasons in life. So if you're here this morning, you're like, you're like a lot of people dread December, right? Like they just try to like get through it. Then, then the book of Hebrews is for you. Because it deals with difficult circumstances. 
feeling pressed and pulled, if you're feeling beaten down or discouraged, this is a good book for you to read and for you to meditate on. Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 16 says this, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all who, who, there, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That means that Jesus, and Matt alluded to it as we prepared for communion, is fully God. Right? Chose to step out of his divine glory in heaven and became fully human. That started in the womb of Mary and led to his arrival at Christmas. And in becoming fully human, not only can he relate to us, but he also can become like us in our humanity. Jesus, fully God and fully human, shared in our flesh and blood. And then notice the last part of the passage. We we see the words helps. But but he helps the offspring of Abraham. The the word helps there is a powerful word with a vivid imagery to it. It it means that someone rescues someone else by taking hold of them and lifting them out of a dangerous situation. When, When Trudy and I were in high school, we dated way back then. We were in our youth group, and we did this whitewater rafting trip down the Wenatchee River there by Leavenworth. And as we're about to hit this pretty good section of the river, all of a sudden, Trudy goes overboard and into the water. Now, the river's going at a pretty good clip, and she's fighting to keep her head above water. And just as she goes under the water, our friend John Olson reaches down, and you know that little, that little uh, strap on the back of a life jacket? He, he takes that strap, and he just pulls her back up on the raft. John saw that, that, that Trudy was in a bad situation, and apparently he didn't want her to drown in that river that day. So he helped her by rescuing her. Rescuing, rescuing her out of a difficult situation. See, Jesus helps us as he grabs a hold of us and he rescues us from a spiritual and eternal death but why, by what he did on the cross. He was not only our helper, but he's also, what, our only hope. He became one of us to save all of us who call on his name. His name is the only name in heaven and earth by which we can be saved. His name is above all other names. Jesus. He came to give us abundant life. And in his name. And rescue us from sin. Not in your notes, but I like verse 17. It says this. It says, therefore, he had been made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become merciful and faithful, high priest in the service of God, to make a propitiation for our sins of the people. 
That that word propitiation right there, that's how I say it, uh, means averting the wrath of God by offering of a gift. It refers to turning away the wrath of God as as just judgment of our sin by God's own provision of, of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And then in Hebrews 9, verses 26 through 28, it says... For then he he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he appeared only once for all at the end of all ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him this is great news because we don't have to keep making sacrifices every time we mess up and sin aren't you thankful for that i don't know about you but i'd be doing it a lot jesus came from heaven to earth born of a virgin lived a perfect life never sinned he never said or thought anything that the father didn't want him to say or think and because of that jesus was a perfect sacrifice of hope to die in our place and to make payment for our sin in the past and the present and the future and he did it once and for all so that we might be able to enjoy that abundant life that jesus came to offer All right, we got through the intro. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me as we go through the rest of the message. We're going to be here a while, y'all. Like if that doesn't affect your thinking on hope that, that we have in Jesus, I'm not sure what will. And if all of that is true, what does it mean if I do have hope? Well, what are some of the benefits of God's hope that brings to our daily lives? What happens if we have hope? How does it change us? Well, well, number one, if I have hope, I can get started. And for me, if I have hope in Jesus, then, then, then I can get it going, right? It's kind of like a car. It can be shiny on the outside, have a great engine, but if the starter doesn't work, you're not going very far. Know any people like that? Like they look great on the outside, they have some power on the inside, but they wake up in the morning and they just can't get going. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they'll walk and not be faint. This is the measure of the strength that the Lord gives us. Strength to soar. Strength to, to get started. Secondly, if I have hope, I can live with, and you can fill in the blank right there. You can live with whatever burden is in your life right now. You can make it through. It is hope that enables us to to handle a tremendous amount of pressure day by day, day after day, burdens that come our way. The Apostle Paul, talking about ministry burdens and the persecution that he faced, said this in 2 Corinthians 1.8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Even at the point when, when, when he wondered if he was going to be able to make it, Paul was able to find hope. He, he could live with anything that came his way because of the hope that God gave him. 
Thirdly, I can have hope and I can go on. Hope is what gives us strength to go on after a loss or a disappointment. 1 Peter 1.6, if in this you rejoice, thou, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Sometimes I think we have the idea that a strong Christian will never be grieved in a trial. The, the notion is, is that the, the Christian should kind of be like Superman, right? Like, like the bullets are, are shot and, at, at Superman, but they all kind of bounce off his chest. And yet Peter tells us here that, that there is an if necessary, not only for the various trials, but more especially that they share uh, that there is an if necessary for being grieved itself. God has purpose for not only the trial, but for the grief that we feel in that trial. And even with all of that, we have hope. And it is in that hope that we can go on. And then fourthly, I have hope that I, I can slow down. Hope is what gives us the ability to, to slow down this busy life that we lead. Sometimes life gets out of balance when too much becomes too important. Did you catch that? Sometimes life gets out of balance when too much becomes too important. It's like when I'm standing at the grocery store in the 15-item express line and the person in front of me has a cart full of like 30 items. Ever happened to you? I don't know about you, but I just get irritated about that. Like somehow that, that five more minutes or ten more minutes is going to break or make my day. But life gets out of balance when too much gets too important. Without hope, we're always in a hurry. Psalm 62, 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. The phrase wait in silence means that we are to find rest in God. So, so hope and rest go together. Well, without hope, you will find that you're always restless. But with hope, you'll have the power to be rested. And then a final thing that hope does. We got to the end. Hope gives me the power to say no. Hope is the foundation for integrity. If I have no hope for the future, if I think that there's nothing out there for me, then, then truthfully there's not a logical reason to have integrity. I may be a moral person, but there's no logic to it. Because it really doesn't matter. And it's like just eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die. Right? It doesn't matter. Hope is the foundation for genuine integrity in our lives. 1 John 3, 3, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Knowing our eternal destiny, living in this hope purifies our lives. We know that when we know that the goal is to be more like Jesus, it makes us want to be more like Jesus right now. So don't forget that ultimately our hope is not in heaven. Our hope is not in our own glory in heaven. Our hope is what? In him. Right? Our hope is in Jesus. And we must never set our hope on anything else. Because our only real hope is in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Matt read 
Romans 5, verses 4 and 5. Don't you like it when God puts stuff like that together? Like, we didn't talk about this. And we're going to read the same verse. I think that's pretty cool. Romans 5, verses 4 and 5. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. All that to say... That, that Christmas reminds us that Jesus came to forgive our sin and to pull us out uh, of our sin. He came to give us freedom that leads to fulfillment. And all of this leads us to the abundant life that Jesus talked about. And it's in that truth that we saw in the Hebrews passages are, are the gifts for us to open this Christmas as we wait with hope for his return. And let me challenge you this morning, three things. Three things that, 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 that I want to challenge you with today. Number one, enjoy quiet moments alone with God each day. Number two, develop a continual awareness of the presence of Jesus. And then number three, yield in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Living those three things. While waiting for Jesus to return will help us experience the abundant life that Jesus offers. Since he destroyed the devil's work at the cross. These three things will help us not only remember that we are forgiven from sin, but also invite us to experience the freedom from sin and the fulfillment that's ours in Christ as we wait for his return with great hope. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. Lord Jesus, as we celebrate this season of your birth, God, there's nothing that stands brighter than, than hope, the, the experience of hope, and the excitement that no matter what life brings us, we still can have hope because of that day the day when our precious Savior was born. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.